podcasting from Alexandria, Virginia, just a few miles outside of Washington, D.C. This is the Software Quality Today podcast presented by TX3 Services, where we empower life sciences companies to digitally transform their software testing. This is a podcast about the trends and challenges of software testing, computerized system validation, and the people who are leading the way. We'll be providing you with interviews from industry thought leaders from leading life sciences organizations and vendors alike. Today's guest, Ajay Pandey, has agreed to be interviewed as an individual subject matter expert, and the views and opinions he shares are his own and not necessarily shared by his employer, Biogen. Nor should any reference to specific tools, products, or services be interpreted as commercial endorsements by Biogen. And now, here's your host, Dory Gonzalez-Azevedo. Welcome to another episode of Software Quality Today, presented by TX3 Services. I'm your host, Dory Gonzalez-Azevedo. Today, I'll be interviewing my friend and colleague, Anjay Pandey. Anjay is currently the Senior Manager of ALM Platform at Biogen. He has over 20 years experience in application lifecycle management tools implementations within life sciences. Earlier this year, Ajay and I co-presented at Vivit, an independent micro-focused software user community webinar on the benefits of risk-based testing. We wanted to continue that conversation here on the podcast. Ajay has been instrumental in implementing several large testing centers of excellence within organizations. And today at Biogen, he continues to lead the way, bridging the quality and IT groups together to continuously improve their digital validation roadmap. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Ajay. Welcome to another episode of Software Quality Today. I'm your host, Dory Gonzalez Acevedo, and I have the pleasure today of interviewing friend and colleague Ajay Pandi from Biogen. Um, Ajay and I have known each other for several years now and have pleasure of working together. Um, and I thought it would be a great introduction for you, Ajay, to our audience and for to share some of the great things that you've been working on over the years and your experience with them all. Sure, Dori, and a uh, pleasure to talk to you on this platform here. Um, hello, everyone. Um, uh, my name is Ajay Pandey, and um, my uh, I have known Dori for a long, long, long time now, <laughs> uh, professionally, uh, with different engagements with my um, current employer and previous employer, and um and uh, she is a wealth of knowledge. Um, and every time uh, we engage for some project, there's there's tons to be learned from her. Uh, so um, so my my background is in software quality and project management. And um, you know, going back twenty years when I was a fresh um, graduate coming to US for my master's in information systems. And uh, after that, you know, various consulting assignments and then my arrival into um, the, the world of life science. And uh, from, the, uh, from what I have learned in last, uh, last uh, 10 to 12 years uh, in life science is uh, patience. You, 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 <laughs> you got to be very patient. Things move uh, at a totally different speed pace as compared to our uh, non-GXP or non-life science um, mm-hmm. uh, environment. Um, so that uh, that was a huge adjustment for me uh, to do. Um, um, uh, it, it's been a it's been a great ride. I enjoy life science. Um, I like the challenges uh, posed to technology uh, within the realm 
um, of our uh, our GXP regulations, um, uh, and they change by country to country, you know, uh, globally uh, and within the org, um, site to site. Uh, so these challenges uh, has uh, made me uh, what I am today, where I am today. And uh, of course, the opportunity to interact uh, many of the industry professionals, including Rory, um, uh, here and um, and this is for me, it's a continuous journey. So, Ajay, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and your role at Biogen and what you guys are building over there in your tenor, uh, testing center of excellence. Sure. So um, I report into Testing Center of Excellence. We are responsible for uh, testing services for all our system owners, um, whether they are caught system or built in-house. And uh, as usual, uh, we are divided into two houses, GXP and non-GXP. Uh, we use ALM as um, um, uh, as our uh, test management and requirements management tool, and uh, TX3 Vera is our uh, tool of choice to uh, to bring in the the controls we um, we need in a system of record. Um, uh, before my arrival, um, uh, we were primarily using it as a test management tool only. So we were housing our test plan and test test runs uh, and, and defects in there. And um, now we are uh, moving our requirements management along with risk management uh, within ALM with Vera Workflow. How uh, large is your team, Ajay? So um, I have a, a, a lead uh, admin, and then within that, it's supported by five to six, uh, you know, uh, analysts. And then I have a t- um, another team for um, team for validation activity to keep the system uh, validated. Uh, so that varies um, as as we go through our release cadence uh, for our uh, platform. And then how large is the community that you serve? How many applications under test do you guys currently have? Oh. Just want to get a sense of volume here that we're talking about. Right. So so we, I think we are north of uh, 450 plus projects now within ALM. We have served around 1,500 to 2,000 last count because we, we do periodic reviews on our own system. And, um, you know, based on we have to... Uh, offboard a lot of users uh, out of the system. For for last count, I think we were around 1,500 users worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're talking about, and that and this is over the course of a couple of years, how, how fast to grow to the size because wasn't... You've increased significantly in the last couple of years, correct? Correct, correct. And it, 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 you know, it has increased and it will increase. It will actually double um, uh, as we onboard the requirement management uh, with risk uh, assessment within within Vera. Um, uh, we at that time we have a guiding um, procedure for our lifecycle management, and uh, um, I think I will see, see a shift from paper to electronic. Um, um, right. in, in coming days because what, what, what last year has taught us is uh, your geolocation does not matter as long as you mm-hmm. can connect and perform your day-to-day task. And, uh, and, and I think uh, it is very critical, uh, you know, for, uh, for us as a global company uh, to, to get on that path as soon as possible, plus maintaining uh, and 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 uh, go, you know adherence to our uh, global procedure for mm-hmm. lifecycle management. 
So part of this journey for you has been um, getting teams acclimated to doing, um, getting off paper, right? So there's still a large community at Biogen that that wants um, and and uses paper to do testing um, for a variety of reasons. And so part of your your, uh, enablement has been embracing that and trying to to make that transition for them. Um, Any thoughts or tips for for folks that have um, had, challenges in, in wanting to give up the paper? Yes. So uh, you you have to, it's a partnership. It's not just a technical solution or a team's job to implement it. It impacts a lot of people. Um, so of course, uh, your, your friends um, from IT quality or computer system validation, you have to take, take them into account early in the process. You have to earn their confidence and um, and then you will uh, progress because ultimately they are your customers, right? Um, uh, you have to you have to have a. In I'm lucky to have a support of a very good um, uh, customer experience team, which assist in uh, onboarding um, artifacts. Uh, and um, um, I think that, that is uh, communication. Communication is is needs to be very clear, and it has to be piecemeal. Uh, you, you, many many of us want to do big bang, uh, but I think um, you know uh, baby steps. Um, you know, um, approaching a system you know, piece by piece, delivering it piece by piece, um, because we have to do over. We have a day job too, right? right. We can't yep. just stop that and change everything overnight. So um, I I thought that approach works in larger organization and once uh, once things start falling in place it takes that snowball effect and it it takes its own course and you you just have to watch it and provide the support it's needed right yeah yeah i i I guess i've heard different stories from different folks right um the big bang um everyone wants to capitalize on their investment right um and wanting to try to get there as soon as We'll get there, whatever that means, right? As 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 um, utilizing the applications that they purchase to their full extent uh, as quick as possible to capitalize right. on that, right? And at the same time, what you're saying is is on the back end, there's all the people and the process and all the the incremental steps that have to get there, and that's no small feat. And so, one of the things that you and I talk about a lot, and we we strategize around, is risk based testing, risk-based requirements, like what does this mean, right? And, and one way to try to really limit what's being focused on in terms of testing, because you can't test everything, right? Correct, and correct. so can you um, share a little bit about, about your journey there? Yes. So, so yes, we, I was very familiar with the paper-based, like any other org, um, um, any other technology lead. Um, but uh, when I, uh, when Dory and uh, the TX3 team presented the, their vision of how this can be achieved within the Vera, the I just popped up, um, and um, why it is important. So we we see a direct benefit, right? So um, again, depend on the uh, organizations to organizations. Uh, some teams are very siloed. Some teams are very cohesive. Uh, depend on what you're dealing with, um, the visibility uh, into requirements, visibility into risk as soon as it is uh, assessed, uh, requirement is assessed, and then visibility to downstream team is a huge benefit for 
for having a good mature SDLC. Let's the, it's that plain and simple, right? Um, this um, depend on depend on how your own organization um, um, or how mature your uh, organization's SDLC is. Many times it, it is a very siloed approach, and that leads to delays uh, in delivery time that leads to delays in um, um, or, or what we say rework um, mm-hmm. basically it increases the rework um, so this can be avoided um, avoided if we have a, a a digital platform where we can onboard these artifacts and make it available to everyone we all know uh, you know how the, many of these tools works, and there are many in the marketplace. But we have worked long and hard to customize these solutions for our needs, right? To customize it per industry best practices, and that's what uh, where a workflow gives you out of the box, right? And uh, that was the biggest advantage we had. Um, and now, uh, in my organization, currently we are onboarding our requirements with risk assessment uh, we are going through the validation process um, it's a huge huge benefit to my counterparts on the quality side right um, uh, we are cutting down papers we are cutting down an additional document and um, and 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 basically uh, we are now giving uh, our testing uh, teams a clear indication what needs to be tested and what is not necessary, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the past, uh, like any other org, to mitigate our risk, we tested everything. But right. it takes its toll. It takes time. It right. takes additional resources, delay things, uh, you know. So to avoid all that, we we have a much more cleaner, uh, you know, mechanism, basically, in our platform uh, to assess risk on these requirements and proceed. Yeah. So Vera's given you the opportunity to be able to um, uh, very transparently lay out the requirements, show the risk, decide what the mitigation strategies are for those requirements, and then choosing a test, you know, which one of those are you going to bubble up to do testing for and what types of testing. Correct. And um, and so that process in, you know, going through and assessing risk um, what do you think are some of the challenges there? Um, because that's still, it, the tool is only going to do as much as give you the ability to categorize things and put things in a workflow, but there's also human intervention here, right? To get right. those requirements, um, assessed. So right. what are some of your, um, thoughts there? So, so, so just having a smart tool does not, you know, solve all the problems or a, or a efficient tool does not solve the problem. But basically, as you said, you know, um, uh, the, the human intervention is important. How, how your how mature is your organization requirement management process, right? Uh, um, we all, uh, you know, uh, either buy products or built products and make configurational changes to that. How do you how do you document that, right? Um, who are your implementation partner when they when you onboard them? How, what you dictate them and not dictate them, right? How do you maintain once the system is handed over to you? So all this goes into a good, um, you know, uh, good product delivery uh, for you for your customers. So requirement management is no different. This body of knowledge uh, basically sometimes take a backseat and then uh, you see the end results. So in my opinion, I think uh, 
and my recommendation to my counterpart in the industry is that please pay attention to your requirement management because if it is done well, it will you will reap the benefit downstream. Your testing will be much more effective. Your maintenance uh, and releases, um, change management will be much more effective going forward yeah. to that. So, so pay attention to that. Build a detailed requirement tree, um, you know, uh, as per your organization policies or uh, procedures, whatever your lifecycle management um, uh, guidelines are. Make sure you you plan for it and you uh, you do it. You know, don't take a shortcut in requirements management. So one of the things we, you and I did when we um, did this last deployment together, um, which not everyone does, and so that's why I want to raise it, is you very much wanted our help and support in assessing your risks for your system, right? Correct. So you guys went through a pass and said, this is what we think it is, right? And then you came to us as your technical implementation partner and said, is this, you know, are these right? You know, like, is this really high risk or where is the, you know what I mean? And, and I wonder how often that collaboration happens. So it's one thing to collaborate with the quality people and what they think, but you, you actively proactively reach out to your implementation partner like TX3 and say, can, can, can we partner in this and do that? So do you see that happen often or is this really kind of... So unfortunately not, right? And that's where the disconnect happens, right? Um, so uh, you have certain requirements from your quality and, uh, you know, you want to bake it into technology, but somewhere that it, it gets lost in translation from, from, your, from, your, uh, from your requirement from quality to you as a technology platform owner to your implementation partner. So if you bring all the three stakeholders together in the early in the process, it helps tremendously because then you have the quick feedback loop what is possible what is not possible what can be delivered what timeline uh, things like that you know and 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 your your quality partners people who who need to use the system will tell you right off the bat that it's working or it's not working yes there will be resistance you need to be very very honest with them what is possible through technology and where you need to change your current way of doing things because many times what we do is we try to tweak the system as per your processor, and, and somebody has to face uh, the, the mirror and say, no, these processes are not the best. We have to make some amendments to it. So mm -hmm. that conversation, um, uh, if happens early during the implementation, I think will help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think is some of the most critical parts of your testing objectives today, like for your, for your team and for where you guys are going? So... <clears throat> First, how much to test, right? Because <laughs> again, uh, we we see sometimes challenges with the system when when we are uh, we are uh, contracted for an engagement that our budget and our time is already being decided, mm -hmm. right? And we have to work within that within that to to deliver what we need to deliver, right? Um, and I think in other orgs too, this 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 is this this may be happening. But the biggest challenge is how to effectively test. Uh, the systems are smart. The technology on which they are built is smarter. A lot of uh, cloud-based technology. A um, lot of um, you know the 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 my early years in the software quality. You know, we used to just open the page or the application, and you will find the bug on the login page. Those days are gone. Mm -hmm. Now that the software quality folks need to be at par 
uh, in their understanding of the system at as business analysts or system owners. Unless you understand the design of the system, you will never find bugs in it. Right. right. So that is right. that is huge. Then depend on your model. What kind of model you have? Do you have in-house resources, FTE resources, or you're hiring, you know, in you are in an MSP model or you're hiring resources to that. That domain knowledge, that mm-hmm. the knowledge your organization has gone through to build a system you're replacing or a system you're maintaining, basically. Right. right? That dom- domain knowledge is very, very critical in in delivering a quality tested uh, system. Uh, for your customers. So these yeah. these are some of the challenges. I think what one of the things that you're raising is very interesting, especially given the ways in which things are being deployed today. So to, back to your point around whether it's a SaaS system or it's an on-prem system or it's a third-party managed system, right? Correct. All three of those are different categories that we didn't have 10 years ago, Correct. right? And what you do with those are different, right? Correct. And, and I'll give you an example, a very specific ex- example. So when we were looking at, at Vera solution and uh, and then the VNV model was present to us by, by TX3, we clearly know what, what is in our scope in terms of testing and what is will come as a package from uh, the, the validation package, which will come from TX3. And and when we uh, when when we found the, uh, the, the audited you guys you know TX3 you know at that time also uh, your your SDLC capabilities are very very mature right mm-hmm. so we can consume the artifacts which come straight from you mm-hmm. uh, that may not be case with all your vendors right so uh, first you have to make those kind of uh, uh, your uh, the rigor you have to build uh, in, into your processes if they are solid. Uh, the outcome will be good, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in our case, uh, I think that model worked, and um, and we are doing that as you said. Either whether it's an on-prem system, are you doing everything from a installation qualification perspective, or uh, you know SIT, you know you're doing that in-house, or you are relying on your vendor. That is that is big come very very common now and it will change the way traditionally we have done things in the industry right because now you're relying on even for documentation you're relying on your external partner and their processes their quality uh, management uh, should be as good as what you do in-house yeah yeah that's you know that vendor audit that um gets done and just we're, we're audited all the time right and that is critical. And sometimes I get nervous when folks don't ask for an audit because I'm like, are they, how mature are they as an organization <laughs> if they're not asking for an audit from a SaaS provider, right? That kind of just is like, hmm, what's going on there, right? Um, uh, although, you know, getting out of an audit is is, is wonderful. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it is a different dynamic and a different thing. And I think that there's some big players on the block that um, like your Salesforce, and your service now that and Viva, right? Uh, all of those only provide a SaaS solution, right? right. Um, and so that standard, that set bar is quite high, right? Um, and so then what do you do with the the spectrum of everything else in, in between? And so how do you figure out um, where you fit in um, as an application within that, that portfolio that you're managing? Um, there's challenges then also with the SaaS model, right? Like, so you have your quarterly releases from all of those providers that you have to do regression testing. And if you don't get it automated in a quick way, right, um, what, what are you up against? Um, yes. And keeping up with that, I know um, 
you have some very large um, SaaS applications um, as well as on-prem um, applications. And so how do you, how do you keep up with um, maintenance and is there a different team that does that or how, how are you guys setting up for test automation? So we, we were like any other org, we had a large uh, test bed of manual test cases um, for all of our, you know, large system. And then we took the journey of automation, but you know, it doesn't end there uh, because what people forget that, you know, the automation uh, test scripts uh, you have developed or the test bed you have prepared needs constant uh, upkeep, right? That has to be factored in. It's not one time, uh, you know, uh, delivery or one time, um, you know, creation of these test cases. You have as the application change, you need to maintain that. And sometimes uh, system owners forget that they don't budget for it, and you know we we have different models we, uh, through which we can support it, but we cannot support all the systems like that, right? Mm-hmm. To have a good automated test uh, bed, you need to have a good automated, a good functional manual functional testing, right? If if you have identified the use case, and again that goes by goes back to risk. What needs to be tested? If it is the most common use case which get impacted every time a change occurs, that needs to be automated first. There should be some math behind mm. each system which determines you know which use cases need to to go first for automation and then you build from there right uh, it's very interesting you're saying that so how um because i agree a lot of what and the methodology in which you deploy how do you think that ties into though the new or the the continuous the cicd um model where I'm hearing more and more of just automate first, right? Correct. And Correct. and my my concerns around that, right? Are are they doing a real risk based approach to that, Correct. or are they just writing a bunch of requirements and not thinking about what needs to be automated? And I have a lot of concern about that. What do you think? No, and 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 I share with you that too uh, because. Um, just because something is running uh, without a human intervention, it's producing good result. That's the that's the fundamental question out there. Is it really finding issues early in the, you know, I can write a, a test which will always pass, right? right. Uh, you know, and we, we we have all seen those those scenarios as well. What we what we need to do is that CI/CD kind of environments are great if you're a product company, mm-hmm. right? Uh, your, 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 your bread and butter is selling software or you're building something like that. But in a service oriented org, uh, I don't know how much, how, how much useful it, it could be. It could definitely increase your, uh, release cadence, but you cannot be, cannot match up with, uh, with, you know, a pure product company where you're, you're committing, you know, um, frequently to the, to the code base, uh, you know, and, and daily basis. So, um, for me, uh, if you want to perform an efficient testing, um, I would recommend go back to the requirements. What is important, and that's where the the clear guidance and the clear you know um, uh, way to do that is look at the risk. Right? What is important to business? Uh, does did business provided a feedback on that particular requirement? How detailed you write the requirement? Right? Mm-hmm. Is are, are your requirements conflicting each other? Right. What's the point uh, automating everything? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these kind of priorities you need to assess before you even get to aut- automate things. There's no you will right. never achieve 100 percent automation. 
you know that that is a pipe dream in my opinion because application change uh, you know application get replaced uh, you know people change that and these are some of the huge factors uh, why um, why that is not feasible in many orgs in in many orgs that may be the norm but in the majority of them that may not happen right yeah yeah it's um I, I heard um, a story the other day about um, a team running daily um, automation scripts just to make sure that the SaaS provider was up and running uh, because <laughs> the SaaS provider is not a compliant cloud solution. So sure. their solution to mitigate that risk was just to run daily just scripts. I'm with you. Is it necessary, right? It doesn't doesn't assure me that that cloud provider is doing the right thing about the backups. It doesn't provide me that the the, the, you know the SaaS provider is doing anything under change control at all. It just gives me a day shot that (laughs) that uh, that system is up and running. It doesn't assure me any validation sense in what you and I know to be uh, as a compliant cloud solution. Correct. So I, I just thought that that was interesting. Uh, you know, I guess that's one approach. Um, it, mm-hmm. And again, all approaches can be defended and, and justified. Um, it just doesn't seem very um, in, in the spirit of what we in the software quality industry, specifically in life sciences, it, define it as to be. If it's a critical system uh, and you are relying on a system like this, then, then you know, uh, it's uh, we, as a customer, you are in a difficult position. Yeah. Uh, how advanced of a notice? We all do health checks, right? We in every uh, we we also have health check uh, test bed. Um, but but the question comes in: what value it is providing you, right? If you have to just just check and see if the system is up and running, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, these are some of the considerations um, and uh, accommodations you have to make when selecting a system, when uh, you know maintaining that system, uh, when some of the risk could not be mitigated. Uh, you know how to handle it procedurally. All those those just come together, mm-hmm. and then you can uh, come up with your testing strategy. So um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about um, CSA because. Um, how do you, how do you think the CSA model is going to impact what you've kind of laid out today? I mean, um, many of what you what you do today is very risk risk based, right? It's all standard, you know, kind of heart and Gamp five, um, which is is I don't see any different than what the CSA model. What is your take on on the CSA model? So I will put a disclaimer out. I'm not an expert on C- CSA. I, I read industry articles and um, I think it has a long way to go. Uh, yeah, it, the, the intent is good. It's simplifying things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, uh, it's like uh, taking off some of the documentation burden our industry is marked with, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in that sense, I think it's, it's, a, uh, it's a good step forward, but we cannot dilute uh, the quality of testing, the rigor of testing in the name of CSA. That's mm-hmm. that's very, very right. important. The fundamentals will were there for long for many long years and they will be there 
uh, in years ahead. Um, I think uh, organizations who, who are actively looking into CSAs, um, uh, the CSA model, uh, I think uh, have to, it's not just, uh, I would not call it a fad, but I would say, uh, you know, they have to basically make some uh, serious consideration before or adjustments before they can fit in that model in their organization. That, right. that, that will be my take on it. Yeah. So, but you, you currently today also already do a lot of CSA like things, right? So you already incorporate uh, informal testing versus formal testing, sure. right? Sure. I mean, there is, you do ad hoc testing, right? Like, so sure. there's a lot of concepts in your overarching testing framework that you've already laid out for your team that incorporate a lot of those things, right? right. Um, so um, when I look at it side by side, actually, you're, you're not far off. And, and you guys also, you know, look at your systems and you categorize your systems and taking it to the level that you're taking it with your risk based requirements um, actually drives, I think, a story very um, close to the ideal. Right. Um, if you do the risk based um, requirement assessment, you're going to get a much, much more uh, fundamental streamlined testing approach because you've done that upfront work, correct, right? Correct, correct, correct. I agree. And, 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 and that's why I'm saying everyone has to go through that model. Everyone has to assess whether it fits their needs. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's the only way to, uh, because it's so new, uh, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's so new and, um, not many people have looked into it, uh, wholeheartedly, but, um, if you are interested in this implementing this CSA model, uh, I think, uh, yeah, as you said, it's not too far, but yeah. you have to make that, that you have to fill in that gap. Yeah. What that would be. So you guys have a, um, a unique, um, not, I mean, you have your test automation strategy, um, which is um, not the standard uh, out there. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, we have a governing PRCD of uh, procedure to to how we do things, um, uh, and uh, that's what uh, we train our uh, resources on. And under that, we have uh, work instructions basically for the technology platform or the test tool you uh, utilize. Uh, they are governed under that that procedures. Um, uh, whenever a application or a system come for assessment, you know we give a good thought, which uh, based on the the how the how the application is built, what technology platform it is built on, or language, and then we do this you know assessment on what tool would be uh, fit from there. Then we we basically engage our system owners and our functional testers to. Uh, uh, to assess which use cases would be, um, you know, from a priority standpoint, needs to be uh, automated first. Um, and then uh, it, it, it goes from there. Um, we never, um, I should say never, but <laughs> uh, we, we try to avoid systems which have a high frequency rate of change, basically, because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the rework is just huge. Uh, but uh, I'm for automation. Um, uh, we we um, been a service organization uh, funding for automation automated projects or automation efforts sometimes get trickier because you have to show the direct benefit mm -hmm. to uh, the system owners uh, or the function leads uh, because not uh, if you say 
you know, of course, you can say how much time saving is there, how much resource saving is there. But uh, if you are consuming that saving in rework, <laughs> in updating uh, the uh, updating of, uh, whether it's framework or functional changes, then that is completely washed up. So uh, you have to be very very careful for that, and you cannot hundred go hundred percent automation. I I think that's that's a false. Um, you know, uh, criteria sometimes to give, go 100%. Uh, you cannot, you cannot uh, go 100% automation from day one uh, or for the newer application. You have to stay behind your uh, manual testers and then assess and um, bring that application or system for automation. Um, one of the things that um, as you grow your testing platform. Um, how do you, like, one of the things that I value, you come to the table with this, Dory, this is my three to five year plan, right? And, and not every organization does that, right? And sometimes right. it's because it, it's a moving target or for whatever variety of the reasons. But you you have this vision, your three to five year plan of what you want to do and how you want to get there. And so we can mark out, you know, that transition. And as you grow, like, what are some of the things that you might want to start incorporating? So if I understood your, you know, your question correctly, um, I think what we do for living in software quality and project management um, and the world of compliance, I think it's a, it's, it's inherently, it's a long process. It's not something short. It takes mm-hmm. years to build the maturity. And many times with pressure from uh, from top management or pressure from, you know, to, to, to market the product or bring in the system online, we cut short on that, right? And we, we have seen time and again that we pay dearly for that later on, right? Um, any system, procedure, um, you know, process, framework, you try to implement, make sure that you you have big you you have a plan for scalability right because what is there today may, will not be there tomorrow right or may change um, so um, in my opinion um, uh, that's how we we do our roadmap planning uh, for any tools or system right what what is there today what will be the interim state and how we want to get there and then when you do three to five year planning you may not be there with Doha five years from now if you know if you're highly mobile and things like that. But there will be people who will be using this system after that. Right. So write any procedure. My recommendation: write any procedure, work instruction, or planning, or architecture. Um, you know, in a in a way that you can scale up and make adjustments with your timeline. Mm-hmm. So along those lines, um, given like application life lifespan is three to five years, right? Depending on which ones you're talking about. Um, so part of your roadmap, you plan for upgrades, you, you, how, like, um, you solicit information from other teams about new technology, I'm guessing. Um, so kind of, how does that look? Do you guys do that as a team or is it kind of just like on a one-off? So, so we we sit uh, in our architectural review board. TCOE has always have a presence, depend on which business unit uh, is being represented or presented in that. And uh, basically, we ask a question. Our uh, our gate approach also consider for uh, some of the artifacts. Our our governing PRCD on the lifecycle management also ask for some of the 
of the testing artifacts, which needs to be fulfilled only by TCOE. Uh, so many times, yeah, it, I, I think it's 50-50. Many times uh, the engagement is, uh, you know, is well understood, uh, the, the testing engagement. Many times, you know, we have to force upon or we have to approach the system owners to say, that, hey, how about how it will be tested, how it will be rolled out and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, whatever your uh, way of doing things are or in your, if they are mandated uh, by your procedures that have to be there, then I think it's good. It makes it, it 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 brings you a seat on the table. But if it's not, then I think it's time for for you to you to to bake in into your gate. Unless it's it's in your gate approach, you are uh, important enough. I mean, testing is important enough to be part of that gate approach for your uh, system and software. Um, I think people will would like to bypass you or mm-hmm. like to take a shortcut on you. Yeah. Um, switching gears here a little bit, um, I was wondering if we um, could talk about data integrity for a minute. Um, it, um, you know, I don't know, maybe 2018-ish, right? We had a data integrity kind of movement within our our, um, our niche um, CSV world, right? Um, have, have you seen adoption of of you know, true data integrity principles at your organization? Um, have you had had or seen the need for do you know true data mapping um, in terms of like understanding the data intended use of data that's coming in and out of systems? Have have you gotten up to that sort of level? So, so we we uh, I have personally read a lot of lot of articles and attended webinars, and uh, I think our quality partners in my current org, uh, you know, does a very fine job in in adherence to that, wherever we are off, they, they will warn us that, you know, and question us, uh, you know, anytime we are uh, implementing a system um, uh, on, on that side, but um, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. I could not mm-hmm. say that we have achieved 30%, 50%, 100%, right? The, 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 the principles of data integrity is well, well known, well published. Uh, the implementation of it varies from org to org, basically, mm-hmm. that, and that's that's where I will leave it. Uh, and for us, also, it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard thing. I mean, I know um, getting folks to agree upon intended use of a system is is sometimes challenging in and of itself, um, and then to narrow down those user requirements to the specific ones that okay. are based on regulation versus based on a business need. Right, a true business yes. need versus right. a regulation, and there's a lot of controversy over what should or shouldn't be in those buckets, um, and how do you treat those those um, subsequently? All right, um, so this last oh, it's almost two years now, right, since COVID. So you've seen impact of COVID um, in terms of your organization really wanting to get. Um, online right you guys were working from home for a long time you're still home yep yeah right yes and and i i'm glad to say that in my org current org we didn't see uh a glitch uh in in delivery of our system my entire team in tcoe is remote um our before even covid um uh, all of our MSP partners were also uh, on uh, on uh, um, desktop as a service, mm-hmm. um, 
and uh, we were on ALM, so nothing on the testing side was uh, impacted, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, 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 the delivery went on. And uh, that model has matured in the last two years, so frankly speaking, right? Right. Uh, people are much more comfortable. And uh, even my own platform, I upgraded through in the COVID time last year, you know, the, as you know, in, we went live yeah. uh, last year. So uh, so I think, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the ground conditions are shifting, uh, changing on a daily basis. We don't know what will be the final outcome, but... Uh, but if if your org or um, your team is prepared mentally and is supported with the tools uh, to 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 go full um, you know digital uh, and um, I think it, it's it's possible. I think it, it is much more efficient than being in person at mm-hmm. your um, at your office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I enjoy coming to Boston to see oh. you, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, so I do miss the the human interaction. But I I do agree. agree. I think we've we have as an industry have been extremely successful in in overcoming the odds here and um, figuring out ways to work together collaboratively, getting on working sessions and everyone on calls. Um, it, it's a challenge, but at, at the same time, um, definitely doable. Yeah. Um, are there you know, uh, things that you want to leave our audience with, things that you want them to think about, challenges that they, you know, to to overcome, or any just helpful nuggets of information. Uh, I, I I think collaboration. Um, you know, um, um, before my arrival here, uh, and you know, uh, my my approach to to any system implementation is. Um, or, or support as a uh, you know from from the TCO is be honest about your intention, uh, right? Um, collaborate early, um, and I and I think in last decade or so, I think these these uh, these things have popped up a lot, um, talked about a lot, implemented a lot. But again, there is a lot of work to be made. I think human to human, you know, um, uh, apart from all the tools and resources available to us human-to-human uh, conversation and touch is important. And uh, when you're honest about your approach uh, and, uh, you know, openly share your challenges, I think uh, when two minds work together, they, they can find a solution. So it worked for me, um, no matter what technology I was or system or application I was dealing with. Um, and from it, from as a testing professional, what I would say is... Uh, um, that so many different frameworks came, so many different processes came, mm-hmm. but the fundamentals have not changed. Mm-hmm. You want to have a good bug-free product out for your customer. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you get to that is uh, sometimes gets point of contention mm-hmm. <laughs> for different reasons, but uh, but uh, the goal should you know uh, be. Um, be the most important for uh, for you uh, as a professional of of that body of knowledge um and you should you should stick to it you should not dilute your your faith uh in the principles of software quality yeah and i really applaud you at your transparency with your quality group um you often um just lay it all out there right you come with solutions you don't just come to problems to your quality group. You come with solutions to them, and 
you've earned their respect in that conversation by doing so. And so having those harder conversations um, are easier because you've been transparent, you've been upfront, you've been the educator in the room, right? Um, You've been the bridge in the room between the technology and the quality side. um, And you really put put yourself in a position of um, empowerment in those rooms. And so I applaud you for that. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Ajay. Well, it is August. It is hot here in Washington, D.C. It is quite humid. Um, I suspect it might be the same down in North Carolina. Yes. Uh, So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And thanks for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to Software Quality Today with Dora Gonzalez-Azevedo. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, tx3services.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please feel free to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. Also, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. You can also check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at tx3services. This has been a TX3 Services production. Join us next time for another edition of Software Quality Today.